creativity is such a valuable skill for building our influence, for growing our recognition. And it's not just for the reasons that you might think, like coming up with content ideas for LinkedIn posts. If you've been listening to this podcast for a minute, you have probably heard me define thought leadership as a consistent practice of tapping into our passion, our lived experiences, and our credibility, and using it as fuel to imagine and shape the future together for the better. And so without creativity, we won't be able to imagine that new, equitable, just future that actually works, right? Because we're so entrenched and rooted in the ways that things have always been done. So without creativity, we can't actually imagine our way out. We may have been conditioned and socialized and brought up within the systems that we are living in today, but it's creativity and imagination and our ability to dream up a new kind of future that will spark the just transition that we are working towards. So if you work on a problem that you're deeply passionate about and it is like the crux of your social impact business, it's actually your creativity combined with your expertise and that recognition that you're working to build that will spark that ripple effect. So in this solo episode, I'm going to talk all about how to work out your creativity muscle and keep it strong for the unique change that you are working on calling in. So keep on listening. Hey, I'm Tanya Bhattacharya, and you are listening to the Campfire Circle podcast. We are all about breaking down the boardroom table as the ultimate space of leadership and instead replacing it with a campfire because that's where we share our stories. That's where we build warm community. And that is where there's always room. I'm building an impactful business in public through thought leadership, and I'm taking you behind the scenes all along the way. So if you want to stand out as you stand up for your mission, you are in the right place. Okay, so where does creativity come from? So it comes from within. It's innate, right? There's practices that we can do for our own personal nourishment and whatever you want to call getting our thoughts out into the world, content creation, wisdom dissemination, like this work, right? It comes externally from partnering with community to come up with new and innovative thoughts that we wouldn't necessarily have had on our own. And it also comes from just like being part of nature where there is so much creativity and inspiration really to be had. So let's start with our own personal creative practices. So if you haven't already picked up a copy or worked through The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, it's probably the best resource I found to really build up your creativity muscle and nurture your inner artist. Because in many ways, as a social impact coach, a consultant, a service provider, a small business owner, like this work of marketing is an art and you are an artist. And there's a lot of exercises and concepts in the book. Like it really is just like a must buy book. But the one that I love the most is an artist date. And so artist dates are about really, at the end of the day, they're about playing. They're about practicing play, which by nature just begins to dismantle perfectionism. And so when you're playing and having fun and just like romancing yourself and just being delighted, it lets the connections in our brain that are meant to connect finally match up because they have the space to you know? And so artist dates are about giving into whimsy and letting our inner artists wander and filling up our well of inspiration. Because usually the best concepts and ideas that emerge from you are not going to be had at your computer screen. 
They're just not. I mean, maybe some will, but I want you to untether from your computer as much as possible, especially as we get into these beautiful summer months and just like play, ponder, you know, whatever emerges will become those innovative ideas, the perspectives, the opinions that were simmering in your internal crock pot. And they just haven't like, you just hadn't previously accessed them to be able to share. You like, maybe they've always been buried inside, but with artist states, they're like a vehicle to let those thoughts, those swirling thoughts, like have a better chance of becoming clear. So once I went to a botanical garden and I learned about a kind of tree called a walking palm. It's a tree that literally moves. It walks slowly, like it moves its roots over years, but that's okay. It walks to get closer to water and nourishment. And that sparked like an infinite number of ideas, you know, stories, memories, clients, and friends I wanted to share this with because it had something to do with like their story and their why that I knew about. Another time I went on a helicopter ride and I saw this beautiful hiking path from so many feet up. And I had just hiked that path a few years earlier. And I remember it being really hard and hot and muddy. And it was through getting that 30,000 foot view from the helicopter that I was able to see the entire land for its like true beauty. And we always do that to ourselves in a way. Like as we're trudging this road of building our businesses and trying to spark impact and like trying to make stuff happen. Like we are so in the trenches that we forget about taking that big 30,000 foot view and seeing the whole picture. And so I made a post about that. Another time I went to the mountains of Idlewild with my dog, Gary, and he is just like a little chihuahua, miniature schnauzer filled with so much unconditional love and rage. He, I mean, but love. And I thought, wow, like what if instead of an inner critic voice, I just listened to my inner Gary, like my little inner cheerleader who there's nothing better than the way a dog looks at you, that your dog looks at you. And I was like, what if I talked to myself in that way? What if I looked at myself in that way and I could just start to show up in the way that he thinks I am? You know what I mean? I don't know if that makes sense. But I was like, let's try to do the work to see ourselves in that light and that level of leadership and be the kind of person that our dogs think that we are. And so I turned that into something. And all of these things, these thoughts, these posts, these emails, these conversations just inspired a deeper community like relationship. And they wouldn't have necessarily come from me just sitting at my desk and going like, think brain, come up with something. You got to get out. And your artist date does not have to be a helicopter ride or like a trip to the mountains. It can be going to your favorite coffee shop and ordering a delightful cookie and people watching. Or it could be going to the zoo. It could be sitting in the grass. It could be cloud watching. It could be like whatever that inner artist, that playful piece of yourself wants in that moment to have a delightful time. Whatever that thing is, you know, doing going on that date will serve you so deeply for your creativity. And that spirit of play and whimsy can also help with this next piece or practice, which is the practice of falling in love with failure, actually starting to enjoy the failure, getting joy from it. And the reason for that is failure is such a tap 
for creativity. Because if we're failing at something, we have probably stretched ourselves and taken a big risk to get there. So I am the eldest daughter of immigrants and failure was once not a, like, I didn't think I had that option. But more recently, as I've grown my consulting business and just grown up a little bit more, I've really realized that failure is not what I thought it was. Like I I used to think of failure as this permanent, shameful, embarrassing, like irreversible situation. But failure is just part of the process. And I say that with a little bit of cringe because everyone says that. It's like, so, you know, it's just one of those things that everyone says. But at some point, like, you do realize after enough failures, I think, and enough opportunities to do it safely and like in community that acts as a bubble wrap around you, you realize that nothing actually falls apart. And you realize like, oh, okay, now this is a part of my lived experience. And I have some insights out of this that I can share and help other people learn from this too. Because if I am struggling with this, or I had this experience, there are definitely people a few steps behind me on this like treadmill or this journey that could probably learn from this experience too. And so if it's a systems failure, we learn to improve the system for the next time. And then we probably, our entire world grows exponentially because if we fix one piece of the system, like everything, it all gets stronger as a result. If we're trialing something that didn't work out, we get to tinker and take the magnifying glass and look and see what didn't work about it and how can we creatively do something new next time? Like, how do we go in the science lab and figure this out? And that unveils the pieces that we can strategically call the right people into our personal board of directors or campfire circle to help us out because maybe we know that there are a few steps ahead of us and they just went through something similar. Anthony Bourdain said that if you don't risk the bad meal, you'll never get the magical one. And so in our case, as, you know, impactful social entrepreneurs, if you don't risk the potentially too ahead of its time offer, the too high of a shoot your shot pitch, the stretch goal that never was, like you'll never achieve the magical one. And even while I'm saying that, I am painfully aware of the reality that so often women of color and other underrecognized folks are not really allowed to fail in their jobs or their lives. And I have experienced and read about this mostly in terms of the nonprofit field, but I have to imagine that it's pretty across the board, although in each specific sector probably takes on its own flavor. But so often, like we aren't given the space or opportunity for the risk-taking that's required that will actually create that new reality and imagine, you know, a new future. So how do we account for that piece when it is in our history and maybe our current reality to not really have that like runway for failure? It's it's a hard one, but the most actionable thing that I can think to share here is to just actively foster a culture of appreciation. It may be starting in very small ways because of course there's a ripple effect of everything that we do. So maybe you can start meetings with clients or create a Slack channel in your group communities just for either wins or like, hey, we went for it and encourage people to like really toot their horn and amplify their big stretches. Create a cheerleading community that acts as your bubble wrap of psychological safety. That's the best advice I can give you. If you have another thought, I would love to hear it. Yeah, because that's important. And then finally, 
Moving on to more of a tactical piece, more of like a writing framework kind of a thing around creativity. I recently saw this YouTube video about how the writers of Succession, which arguably has some of the best writing, like of all time, of any show, it talked about how the writers work together to write an episode. And I'll stick that YouTube video in the show notes too. But essentially in the writer's room, there's a three meter by three meter panel with a list of characters and the season's arc. And they break down the season into episodes. In the video, if you watch it, you'll hear them say like, yes, anything can happen in an episode, but only these things can happen within these parameters, within this framing, so that they can still land at the end of the story. So once you have the story mapped out, you can then go backwards and fill in the interior pieces. And so the way that I see this planning out in terms of a creative tool is in launch planning for a new campaign, for an offer, for a visibility project, you know, a book, a new podcast, all those kinds of things. So I just launched the Thought Leadership Clarity course and I knew it was like different. Like it's a different kind of thing. Most online courses promise fast now, like immediate results. And this is slow. Like this is not that. It's a deep dive because putting our why into words and building influence and recognition around it takes time. Like it just does. There's no way around it. And while others promise painless, easy, simple, like this work is not that. Maybe simple, like maybe simple, but it's actually emotionally hard to begin the tender work of unearthing that inner chaperone and like uncovering its messages and its memories and get into right relation with that part of ourselves. But there's no way around it if we are committing to affecting a deeper systems level change as a result of our visibility and influence. But it's worth it because it unlocks a new reality for us and our community and it uncovers a new, more embodied way to lead. So all that being said, I knew that I had to create a like cohesive story in my lead up to this launch to make something that is arguably slow and emotionally hard, still deeply valuable and desirable to the people that I want to serve. And so I told the stories of shutting down my six-month group coaching program, even though it created great results and turning it into the self-paced course. I told the stories of brilliant people saying to me things like, I have nothing to say. I have nothing to write. Like I blah. And just sharing how that's a direct effect of not having that foundational clarity in your brand message. I shared a multitude of these stories, about 20 of them actually, to my audience before I even launched. And it was only through having a clear endpoint in mind that I wanted to bring people along the journey to there through, I was able to work backwards and come up with dozens of stories. And it's ironic, maybe, but when you can write about absolutely anything, it becomes harder to come up with content, I think. But when you know where you're going and you can create a story around like how we can get there together, at least for me, it is just so much easier to be creative and let these ideas be, like, be channeled from wherever they come from. So if you want to hear some of those stories, read some of those stories, access the first episode of the course for free, you can check out the link in the show notes for that as well. So let's move now into two communal practices. So we've talked so far about things that you can do on your own to boost creativity from artist dates to storyboarding your content, but community also bolsters your creativity in a really cool way. So I was a student inside the op-ed project, which is such a great program, by the way. 
And something I will never forget from that program is the concept of you want your ideas to have sex. And that happens as you share your ideas with other people and let those ideas kind of like reproduce and pollinate with each other and like proliferate. The ideas come together and become a new thing altogether. So having deep conversation with people in your community who are practice guides and experts in their own thing, who then reflect back new insights back into your key brand messages, you know, into your ideas, into your perspectives, that is a really great way to have a creative moment that is like a two plus two equals five moment. Moments of being like, oh my gosh, I never would have thought about it that way, right? And yeah, like mind-blowing moments. Another way to let creativity take hold in community is to address a piece of thought leadership content directly towards a loved one who belongs to the audience that you support. You may have heard this before, but it is really tempting to want to speak to everyone. But when you try to do that, you end up speaking to nobody because nobody can really pick up on that message. It's too broad. And so instead, address your like all of your comms to that one person. Almost like your content and the ways that you show up in the world are a love letter to that person. And when you do that, I have found that it can help the right words pour out of you. Like it almost actually works like a loving kindness meditation. Like when you just have them so in your heart, you know? Tactically, it's similar to the practice I mentioned earlier about storyboarding. Because when you can talk about anything to everyone, of course, it's overwhelming. Like, of course, you're having a hard time figuring out what to say. But when you're crystal clear on your person and their specific expression of the problem that you solve, all the ideas emerge. Like you just become a faucet of ideas. And so, yeah, it's through that process of going deeper and connecting with your why that person becomes clear and you can direct your messaging and your actions towards that person and inspire them towards their future self. You know what I mean? All right. So the last thing that I'll share to boost your creativity also seems a little ironic, but it's actually having a consistent deadline. So if I wasn't committed to having this podcast, I wouldn't do this. (laughs) I wouldn't come up with these thoughts. And it's funny because once an idea for a topic settles in, I start getting inspiration everywhere. So last week I was like, okay, I think I'm going to talk about creativity. And all of a sudden this clip about the succession writers shows up. All of a sudden, I realized that my yellow Artist Way book has just been by my bedside for months unopened. I'm like, oh yeah, I need to like do that. These bullet points just come together. It's like I I channel them, but they just come together without a lot of work. Because I think once the intention is there, the right pieces fall into place. Because there's this dance between creativity and consistency. Like I can get the thought of groaning and needing to hit a schedule or a deadline. But again, I found that the rigor of a deadline sparks creativity. And maybe it's out of necessity, but I feel like that's okay. So if you don't already, consider having something that kind of, you know, I don't like the word forces actually, that creates a publishing cadence, whether it's a weekly LinkedIn post, a biweekly podcast, a monthly LinkedIn live, a quarterly client recap newsletter. Like these are all avenues for thought leadership that not only build that top of mind trust that you want, but create avenues for your creativity to flow. All right, that's about it for now. There's a wealth of resources in this episode's show notes, so don't forget to check that out and let me know what you think about this episode. And until then, I will talk to you later. 
Okay, so you've heard from us. Now I want to hear from you. Leaving a review helps us so much in growing our reach and supporting more folks with this podcast. And even better, I would love for you to send me a note on LinkedIn with your takeaways from this episode. I cherish and respond to every message, so I can't wait to hear from you. And if you want to go even deeper, check out the show notes to take your next step.